Hey, what's going on, guys? Our guest today. Wow, I had been really looking forward to talking with her. She's a journalist, and I feel like in today's day and age, it's easy to kind of just throw journalism under the bus. You know, you hear fake news thrown around all the time. You look at what's going on with the polarization on CNN and Fox News, and it's just, it's easy to lump all of journalism in with that, with this hyperpolarization, with these clickbaity articles, and almost this loss of objective truth. And I have to admit, happily, that after talking with her, I feel like my faith in journalism and what it stands for and what it can be and what it should represent is kind of restored. You know, she's passionate about really just finding the objective truth and presenting a story to its fullest. And I think that's really admirable. We had a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed talking with her. I think I think you guys will like this, or at least I hope you like it as much as I did. I think it's really powerful. It's informative. It was just great. It was just all around great. So please give it up for Isabella Vanderheiden. talking to people mm-hmm. and this just kind of was like oh I could I could do a podcast right it started out in my parents kitchen actually was the birthplace mm-hmm. we used to do it on a little ping pong table and then it kind of grew into this little makeshift studio we got here today yeah well this is sweet you have a you have a great studio in here it's, I mean it's it's been fun. Some people call it the murder shed, but then they come inside and they're like, oh, okay, this is way cooler. Yeah. So. Well, when you were like, it's in the garage next to the house, I'm like, yeah. okay. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he slept it up or else he wouldn't be, you know, inviting yeah. random people over, you know? I know. I try not to say the garage. I try to say the studio because you say the garage and people are like, mm, hmm, <laughs> we're going to go meet up in your garage. I've never met you. I don't really know you. We're going to go meet in your garage. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm going to show you my yeah. chainsaw collection. Yeah. Yeah. I have. It's really nice. It's on the wall. You uh-huh. know, I have laminated notes next to it. So you know what, what kind yeah, of chainsaw it is. That's a really great Jason mask you have on yeah, the wall. Yeah. I started a collection a long time ago. I became a big <laughs> fan. Um, so I try to say studio, but sometimes I'll say garage and it's For like, sure. oh shit, what is that? Right. Um, but you, the time standard, yes. that's where you're currently working now. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? Uh, it's different. So yeah. I guess a little bit of background about me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I'm a radio person. So are my levels okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're good. Great. Oh, okay, you cool. got, I just, you've got I, it I want to make sure. Because, wow, you okay. know, my head... I haven't uh, spoken on mic with headphones on in quite some time, okay. so this is different. But um, are your is my audio in your ears good? Because we yes. can change. No, that. yeah, okay. your audio is great. Oh, so I sound more subdued. So I'm like, do I sound okay? Yeah, no, you're but, good. Wow, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so being at the time standard is a bit of a challenge in that I was trained in uh, radio. So I came from Colorado uh, to go to HSU. Um, Miles Cochran, who I don't know if you've ever spoken to Miles. He does the Humboldt so. Last Week podcast. Oh, okay. And um, I know him from home in Colorado. And so uh, he came up to Humboldt and he was a DJ at K Slug for, gosh, like five, six years, maybe more. Um, now he's over at Caltrans. But um, yeah, Miles told me, you know, I think that you'd really like Humboldt. And uh, 
I wanted to get into anthropology at the time, and I realized that uh, CU Boulder was a hell of a lot more expensive than Humboldt was, and I just... um, I applied at Humboldt because I saw they had a good anthropology department, and uh, I got accepted, and I had never visited here before, so I just went for it, and uh, I'll never forget the first time I drove through Eureka when I got here, and I was like, wow, Eureka fucking sucks. What did I do? Yeah, <laughs> What right? did I do, you know? And um, the next day, it was really sunny, so that helped, and I uh, found some cool spots in Arcata, um, and I just committed to it, you know? And so... I started taking film uh, photography classes at HSU, and by the end of my freshman year, I was like, I want to be a photojournalist, which was also in line with what I had wanted to do previously. And so uh, second year, I got into radio, uh, CARE-FH, the college radio um, course program. Through HSU? um, mm -hmm. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so they had... Uh, before KHSU was totally um, stripped and, you know, is the ghost ship that it is now, uh, I interned for them and it was this, you know, vibrant, amazing radio station. So I worked at the student station before that and had a late night, midnight to 2 a.m. metal show and a bunch of other shows on the station. And uh, so I got into radio through there and then subsequently went on to work after graduation at KMUD. And I uh, became the news director after only a few months, which was a little wild as a 22-year-old freshly graduated. And uh, yeah, so I've been in radio and then I left KMUD as news director in 2018 and started freelancing and worked at a coffee shop for a while. And so getting into the time standard was very tricky because you do not write for print like you write for radio. It's mm-hmm. a very, very different approach because, you know, you write for radio like you talk. And with print, you got to worry about grammar, which I'm a good writer, but grammar is not really my strong suit. I love to comma splice. So um, that's been challenging, but my editors thankfully have been patient. So, you know. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And yeah, I've been there since uh, November, I guess. Was that, was it kind of the plan to go from KMUD into print writing like that or website writing for the time standard? Or did that just kind of happen? Well, it just happened. I mean, when I left KMUD... Honestly, I was, you know, like I said, I took on the role as news director when I was 22. And it was really, really intense. Um, I love the Southern Humboldt community. But as someone who did not live there, as a young 22-year-old who, you know, um, didn't have any real-life journalism experience, you know. And I'm trying to get to know this community. And I was confronted with so much you're not from here, you know, you don't know this community. And I was just like, show me, help me. You know, I can't get to know your community unless you help me. And there were people that did, but then there's this crusade of like 10 people that dubbed themselves the Concerned K-Mutters and they tried their darndest to basically oust me and my co-director, Sydney Marone. And um, so it was a really challenging two years and I made some really amazing connections I love KMUD. I love Southern Humboldt. But um, so when I left, I was like, fuck this. I want to make a latte. I want to work a job where the worst thing that will happen is someone will be like, you burn my latte. And yeah. then that's it. I don't want someone uh, calling, into que- calling into question the integrity of my news, you know. And so I did that for a while. And then, you know, the tables kind of turned. I'm like, I have no self-worth because being a barista sucks. Um, and then the time standard was hiring and 
you know, initially I was, I mean, I was very intimidated about the print factor, you know, but I applied for it and I got it and I'm here. So, you know, yeah. It all works out. That is a weird, that is a weird thing. I don't know if that's just Humboldt. I've only ever heard about people experiencing that in Humboldt where they get that backlash of it's like, oh, I just moved here. You know, I'm doing my thing, whatever it is. And there's people just shitting on you for no reason. It's like, I'm just trying to do, especially in your case, it's like, I'm just trying to do the news. Like, right. Which I get it. I mean, you know, I think sometimes I've been in Humboldt for 10 years now and I love it and I don't really see myself leaving. But, um, you know, that's one of the things I think about, you know, because there's there's kind of a ceiling here with your journalism career. You know, I mean, I could maybe end up being an editor somewhere and that would be better pay and maybe a more, you know, lifer job. But um you know, I don't, uh, sorry, I'm kind of losing my train of thought. No, I, uh, uh, but, oh God, where was I going with that? Well, anyway, I was, uh, so it, yeah, how people feel about, you know, yeah, um, it's a weird thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just did everything I could to, you know, try to show people, you, oh no, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say, if I, uh, if I were ever to leave, I think about having to devote, all this time and energy into relearning a community because the town, the small town, Cortez, Colorado, I grew up in, I do not know one third about Cortez's history, its people, the common issues or, you know, what's going on there that I do in Humboldt County, you know, and it's taken a lot of time to build that up. But, you know, of course I had to rely very heavily on community members, people to be patient with me and show me, but that's the thing, you know, I can't, I can read the news. I can get a little bit of the picture. But, you know, now this experience I had at KMUD, you know, no offense to any of my coworkers at the Time Standard, but I honestly really feel like I have a much better understanding of what's going on down there than they do. And they may, I don't know how long they've been here, you know, but they don't seem to, you know, I remember when, um, when Michelle Bushnell was elected um, in this last election cycle as the second district supervisor. And my editors were just blown away and they're like, how could Estelle lose? Because Estelle, Estelle Fennell was the incumbent, obviously, and she was, she used to be the news director at KMUD. And so I know Estelle in that sense. And that's how she got the job or, you know, became supervisor because Soham was like, finally, you know, we have someone who knows what's going on with us and she's going to represent us. This is amazing. And you know, I have a very good relationship with Estelle, um, you know, journalist to journalist kind of, but um, she really disappointed the constituents down there in Soham, you know, and a lot of people really felt she didn't make good on their promises. And so they didn't reelect her, you know, and so my editors are shocked and I'm like, why well, knew that? I mean, I've had people in my ear about that since I started KMUD, you know, so there's there's a lot to be said for that. And Soham is, you know, sorely oh lacking from coverage. I'm going to pause coverage. you for uh-huh. seconds. We're still rolling. Uh-huh. I completely forgot to adjust your video. I was so excited to sit down and start talking. Oh, luckily, <laughs> okay, it's good. It's not bad. Okay, good. Well, I was so excited to sit down. We just started rolling in. Okay. Nice. Okay, um, good. Yeah, I'm so sorry. No, Please no continue. problem. That's the first time... That's the first time that's happened. I was like, oh, well, we, I we mean, just we rolled just, it. We just yeah, jumped we right just, into yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you're a professional at yeah, this. Well, so I, know. I, I get, had to keep I up with your pays. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, that that was kind of the end of that thought. Just, you know, there's um, there's so much coverage and things going on down in Soham that people just don't, you know, really aren't privy to up here. And I try as hard as I can to incorporate that 
into my reporting and to focus on that when I can. But, you know, my beat just doesn't always afford that for me, I guess. So when you were working at Kmart, it was primarily focused on Soham? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, that was the thing. Yeah. Is, you know, sometimes I would talk about something that happened. If we ever talked about crime in Eureka, people would freak out. You know, because they don't want to hear about that. They don't want to hear crime in Eureka, Arcata. They really didn't want to hear about anything. Nor, you know, they, what was, oh my gosh. They identified what Southern Humboldt was. And this was, like I said, this group of what I would call nicely inflammatory and very rude individuals um, who wanted the best for the station, but they went about it in a pretty um, destructive and rude way. Um, but they defined Soham as... Basically like a 100-square-mile area from Redcrest down to Laytonville, which is northern Mendo, but that's still – they consider that to be our covering range, and from uh, Shelter Cove to Alder Point, which is a, a very small area. And, you know, if we're looking at Soham in the late 90s, early 2000s, the timber wars were going on. The reggae wars were going on. There was a lot more going on down there than there is now. And, you know, I mean, sure, there's plenty of cannabis coverage. There's that That's still happening, you know. And, of course, camp was happening in those times, too. Um, but there's just not quite as much. And we had this big meeting where everyone is, you know, going to air out their feelings to the news department at the Healy Senior Center. And I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. I was sweating bullets. And my coworker gave me, like, I don't know, some black rock. I don't know if it was Onyx or what. But she's a crystal hippie chick. And she was like, hold this in your left hand and it'll soak out all or it'll soak up all of the negative energy. I'm like, okay, Brittany, I'll take whatever I'll do I anything. can get. Yeah. And so I'm standing there with my rock sweating. It's like the first really hot day down in Soham, probably like exactly what, you know, four or five years ago now. And um I had to just defend myself to this group of people. But after that, we had this one community member, Duff who came up in front of this group and he had a copy of, I think it was The Independent, and he shows it to the group. He's like, so you think that, you know, our news department that produces a 30-minute news broadcast every day that is 90% local news, you know, you're criticizing them. When look at our local newspaper, which is, I think it's only produced weekly, the headline was Garberville Chamber of Commerce Changes Logo. And, you know, the point being, there's not always a plethora of news, and I'm not going to go out there and make news, you know? I mean, I will investigate things and do whatever, but man, putting together a 30-minute news broadcast, I mean, you're editing audio, you know what it's like. Oh, it's killer. It's crazy, you know, getting in the office at 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock, you better have 28 to 30 minutes of news or else. And there was only one time when I couldn't produce a newscast, and I cried in the general manager's office and she's like it's okay we'll put a special on but people freak out if that happens you know is that like a daily stressor where you have to have that every day that segment um at the newsroom yes oh wow yeah in in at kmud um yeah 30 minute news broadcast monday through friday so you have to find something yes and then at the time standard um we moved our printing press to chico I think only a couple months before I started. And so that went from, I believe the deadline used to be 11 p.m. You know, the paper has to be finished by 11 p.m. It'll get printed and it goes out the next day. Um, our deadline is now 2.30. So I start my date at uh, 9 and 2.30, got to have two stories, you know. 
That's crazy. It's crazy. It's a crazy turnaround yeah. because, you know, I mean, I've kind of worked on my, you know, tactics to, um, you know, no, it, as soon as I know what I'm reporting on, you know, I call everyone I can. And then sometimes it gets crazy because too many people call you back. And I'm like, where do I put all these interviews? But, you know, sometimes people just don't call you. You know, you can call as many people as you want. Uh, think of every source that you can think of, but sometimes people just don't call you. They're in meetings, they want to talk to you, whatever, you know? So it's it's really challenging. And that's, you know, these are the things that people that don't create news don't really realize, you know? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. fucking nuts. It seems, it almost seems counterintuitive. It seems like you would miss so much information having a hard deadline like that. I yeah. mean, 9 to 2.30, that's like a five and a half hour window to right. try to fully encompass this story that you just you just got. Right. And yeah. what if, like you said, what if somebody doesn't get back to you and you don't get their side or right. X, Y, or Z happens and you don't get that side of the story and now you're missing that whole piece right. and you're just running with the story. Yeah, and I can add some things into the online version, but it won't make it into the print version. You and know? if that's what all some people see, exactly. what do you and, do? Yeah, and sometimes, and then, you know, it's like, uh, the county of Humboldt did not reply to the time standard ahead of our news deadline. And then that looks makes them look like pretty bad, you know, because when it says like they refused to comment or did not comment, it makes it look like they didn't want to. And, you know, I mean, I always say they were not did not comment ahead of deadline. And I take that out when I can, whatever. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's really frustrating sometimes because there are so many stories. I did a story last week about um, the terrible fish kills in the Klamath and how the Klamath Basin is, there is no water. There is absolutely no water. And so the per this perspective that we hear here 90% of the time is no water, no salmon. That's really affecting fishermen, really affecting tribes. And, you know, uh, all the cultural relevance that salmon have, I mean, not more than relevance, you know, they're intrinsically tied. And so that is a huge detriment to tribes. And just not to mention, you know, these are flows that are affecting other things in our environment. But upstream, agriculture folks, you know, ranchers, farmers are freaking out because they don't have enough water to irrigate. So they're pointing fingers at each other and everyone's really, really mad. And everyone, you know, farmers, fishermen are exactly the same in that they don't get salaries. You know, if they don't have a harvest, they're fucked, yeah. you know, and... So I I was very fortunate that I was able to get uh, two stories, a couple or two um, perspectives, one on each side, and then also some tribal perspectives. But I wanted to build it out more because there was, you know, there's really something to be said here. And I was really pleased that I was able to kind of round out the story with, you know, both these people that, you know, one of them told me, you know, we're friends, but this is kind of putting a strain on our relationship because we have these opposing, these different people that we're fighting for, basically. And, you know, in the end, they both came together because I just sort of asked them, you know, what would you, you know, this is obviously a really inflamed time for everyone. And so what would you kind of say to the other? What would you ask of people during this time? as we kind of navigate this really horrific time and they both called for compassion and understanding and patience and just to recognize that we're all people, you know, and that was as good of a, you know, sum up as I could ask for. But I mean, I wanted more time on that story. I want more time on all my stories. And, you know, after deadline, I have this very small window 
during the workday where I can talk about, um, where I can research for the next day or research more long-term stories. That's not enough time. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to do an investigation right now and it's, it's fruitless. I mean, nothing is happening. I don't feel like I have adequate time to do it. It's just, it's so challenging. And then you see, you know, the Lost Coast Outpost and it seems so much easier for them because they're not, you know, I'm, I'm sure they have their own struggles, but they're not worried about a print deadline. You know, they can, I get the idea because I'm friends with a few of those uh, folks over there, but their schedules are more flexible, you know, and because they can just post it and it's everywhere, you know, but we don't have this, we, we have a very different struggle and it's really challenging for us, you know? Yeah, understandably so. I mean, especially with the salmon problem in the climate, like that mm-hmm. is such a big issue. And to try to unpack that, in one day right. or even a day and a half if you have that much time like that's insane like right. that's a challenge that's too big i mean you'd need to talk i mean ideally you'd want to talk to way more people and to really unpack that and that's it's just i never realized that you guys have that hard of a deadline mm-hmm. where it's no this is this is the time you have to cover this and if you don't finish it you don't finish it like you need to wrap it up right does that get I mean, you must get so frustrated with that. I would lose my mind doing yeah. that. I'd be like, no, there's more to this. I need I need to get the rest of it. Like, right. how... I mean, man, I fought for overtime before, but um, overtime... Is the, reason, is the reason that that's not there at Lost Coast... Sorry to interrupt. Is the reason that's not there at Lost Coast because they're just online so they don't have to worry about a print Yeah, deadline? I think so. I mean, I think that there is... Um, you know, I, I certainly can't speak for them, but I would guess, you know... Um, you know, Ryan Burns and I both cover supervisors meetings and, you know, I got to get out and he does his structure differently. He usually mm-hmm. does a roundup. So it's just covering like a one story, but a bunch of little stories on these different items of or discussions that happened. And I usually do, you know, covering where from one to four items from the supervisors meetings. And those are all individual stories. And I have to get out at least two of those stories by, you know, 2.30, three at the latest, you know. And so Ryan usually, he seems to put the story out usually that evening or early the next day. Okay. So it seems like their priority is just get it out as soon as you can. But, you know, he's not working up against a deadline. I know he has before because I know he used to work at the time standard as well. But, yeah, I mean, I... It seems like they have a more lax attitude about it, and I wish that we had that, you know. But they also have more eyeballs than anyone else in the county, so. Wow. That's just, I mean. And then the North Coast Journal, I mean, they do amazing investigative pieces. And I, you know, I don't even know what their process is like, but I'm, they're a weekly, so that certainly helps. And they they post breaking stuff on their website, but. You know, I'm I'm envious of both of them that they're able to do such astounding investigative work because I just fuck, I don't have the time for it. Yeah. You know, I try to make time, but it's it's not that simple. And I mean, Ryan and Thad just make it look easy because they're such talented writers, you know. So how does it work then if you have like a retraction or something or some more information comes up that is like really pertinent to the story that you wrote? Is there any kind of like call back to relook at it. Um, I guess if you did like an investigative piece or something and something really important came out, it was like, okay, we have to do something about that. Um, How does that play out? Well, I mean, I would correct the online version, but I don't know. I guess I haven't really encountered that. Luckily, um, not going to Yeah, work, right? yeah, not, not yet. <laughs> but yeah, it seems usually it's, um, 
you know, it says in the story they didn't respond. And then if it's a big enough deal, I would probably do an update mm-hmm. or kind of a follow-up story or hang on to that information until um, I did a follow-up or something like that, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, I, I've never really encountered that it was like a make or break the story kind of situation, yeah. you know? I mean, it's understandable why, I mean, especially now, people get so frustrated with, you know, the news and mm-hmm. all this fake news that you hear rolling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you roll your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but it makes, I mean, it's hard, especially if you're the person who got that first copy, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't see the follow-up or you don't see that added information and you're like, well, what the hell? What are we yeah. doing here, guys? Like, oh, you only had five hours to do this. Okay, well, I didn't know that, but still, like, right. wouldn't it be better to take more time to actually get the full story? I that know. just seems... Yeah, and but not I a mean, good business model. No, to do. and it's I mean it's it's that, and then you know it, it's the the battle between you know taking longer to do a more investigative report, or we Covering need to more. get this out now because yeah. we want to compete with whoever else it is. Which competing with Lost Coast Outpost or even the North Coast Journal is futile. You know, I mean, it it doesn't even matter to me. I mean, I'm I'm also not competitive at all, really. So that certainly doesn't um, help. But my editors are, and I take their direction and try to get things out as quickly as I can. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – people complain about not following up a lot, you know, just across the board. All people do, you know. And we cover so many things on a day-to-day, you know, there are some legacy issues, right? Like the Klamath dam removal, you know, that's something I've covered since I started KMUD. So I know that subject pretty well. So that makes writing about it a little bit easier. So when I do, it's not like I'm starting from scratch, you know, but you have a little um, bit more to go off. Right. Exactly. So that helps, um, being thorough about it, but you know, it's like we have these kind of issues that we return to time and time again, but, you know, oh, shit, I forgot about that, you know, that thing that happened three months ago, that grow that, you know, was raided and I meant to look into who actually owned it or something like that, you know? I mean, there are so many of those things that someone will remind me about and I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about that in four months, you know? Yeah, that's old news now. Yeah, and I mean, and that's kind of the thing too is people might want to hear about it, but... You know, unless there's a hook, it's kind of hard to report on, you know. So unless there's a reason, you know, why does this matter right now? You know, it's really hard to talk about it or to get my editors on board as well, you know, because I could maybe want to go on my own, like, whatever, they want to talk about this, so I'll talk about it. But, you know, when you're out getting your sources, they're like, why are you asking me about this? Like, this doesn't even matter right now. Nobody's talked about this in months. So... Yeah, follow-up is also more complicated than I think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Which you think they would see the success of Lost Coast and be like, oh, maybe we need to adapt our policies and kind of change our structure a little bit. Because, I mean, the time standard, like, I mean, print paper or print news especially, I mean, it's it's dead at this point essentially, yeah. right? I mean, who yeah. still reads a newspaper? Old people. That's true. Old people That's and true. me, but I don't actually. You really still read a newspaper? No, not really. Oh, okay, I, I just I, I dismantle the paper every day because I, I get it at my house mm-hmm. and I do the crossword puzzles. Why well, oh, like nice. I have to do the crossword puzzles because I'm not that great at it, but mm-hmm. I try. But um, you give it an honest effort. Yeah. So um, the Times Standard is owned by Media News Group, which is a media conglomerate that owns a ton of newspapers across the United States. 
I believe Media News Group also owns the San Jose Mercury News, uh, the Santa Cruz Sentinel, I think it is, because I've had stories featured in those papers as well. Um, but we can't change anything here locally, really. Oh, absolutely you know, not. Because yeah. we're, it's all up the chain, you know? I mean, that's like getting overtime approved, you know? I mean, it's all these things that none of us, you know, me, my editors, hell, the publisher probably can't change. You know, we uh, have to call some IT person, I think. I'm kind of assuming this, but in, you know, Sacramento or something to help us change something on the website if we can't figure out how to do it ourselves, you know? And so as far as trying to make ourselves more relevant in the paywall, the goddamn paywall just pushes more people away, you know? I mean, I send, you know, my friends or family are like, oh, I want to read your stories. And I send them a link and they're like, wait, there's a paywall. And I'm like, well, you should be paying to read my stories. But I also yeah, understand on, why you're not. Because, you know, like, well, they don't do it, you yeah. know, and sure. So that pushes more people over to Las Coast Outpost, North Coast Journal, wherever. And I mean, God bless North Coast Journal. I know that this pandemic really took a toll on um on their operations, you know, having all these advertisers drop out from underneath them. And for the record, I'm not trying to speak for any of these organizations when I mention them. I'm just mentioning passively what I see and my utmost admiration for them. But, um, but, uh, you know, uh, oh gosh, I remember what I was saying about that. But yeah, it's um, oh the paywall. It it just pushes all these people over there because it's like, well, I can't read it on the time standard without paying, but I can go over there and read it for free. So I'll just do that. And it's just as good, maybe even better reporting. So whatever, you know? So it's, that makes it really hard. I hate that freaking paywall, but I, I get it. But, you know. It sucks. I don't see that money, really. You yeah. know, I mean, it's. Yeah, it's not going to God, the people that deserve it. Yeah, corporate media, man. It sucks. You know, it just, it makes newspapers, makes us even less relevant, you know? Pushes us out of the business. Does it feel like, in your opinion, where you, you're so close to this field, does it feel like journalism's kind of gone downhill um like real real journalism yes i mean on the whole sorry i just like uh splash them <laughs> truly in my eye but um i guess or i mean has it always been this way no i mean in i think that people do not care as much about the content they're getting right because this we're all the people i mean not me but People our age, people now in 2021, read their news on Facebook. They read what yeah. people are sharing. They read. It's all clickbait. You know, yeah. And so they're not, most people, it does not seem, are necessarily seeking meaningful journalism. You know, like I have my, my aunt, who is a very educated woman. Um, we do not politically align. But, um, you know, she was talking to my dad. She was saying how impressed she is that, you know, I'm such an objective reporter. And I mean, I, I take that as a compliment every time I hear it, but I'm also like, it's not that hard. It's really not. You just try to talk to as many people as you can and do not put your opinion in a story. But she was telling my dad, you know, she's impressed by that, but also that she doesn't know how to like seek out legitimate or objective news sources. And I'm like, it's, I mean, lady, you're like 65 years old. How do you not know how to do that? You know, I mean... You go to the sources that you know historically, you know, for her when she was younger, you know, that were always legit. You know, New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, Chronicle, whatever. These just 
historic institutions that have always been there that are trustworthy because they've stood the test of time, you know? So if you're talking about reading something on like, I don't know, something that has weird website formatting or something, it's probably not reliable. You know, if there's too many bright colors in the banner or whatever, it's probably not right, you know? But so in that sense, um, you know, people just want clickbait. They want quick articles that are, you know, it's like eating fast food, you know, satisfies your itch or whatever. But in another sense, you know, because of technology and how we have evolved and that people are so much more into these little niche ideas and things that they want to know more about, there is so much more delving into that and people doing more research and people talking about more of those things. So, you know, there are pros and cons to it. You know, I mean, I think it's a problem for people to be too into any one subject or one website that they get all of their news or whatever from. I think that's really toxic and you should, we should all be looking at our whole world and, you know, considering other perspectives. But at the same time, you know, that has afforded us, you know, I mean, that's the product of the cool thing that is there's all these people who want to talk about all these weird things and we can dig into our little niches, you know, that's amazing. But yeah, it can lead to some really toxic behavior, as we have seen with oh, yeah. uh, QAnon rabbit hole, for oh, example. Yeah. It's crazy because we have the this incredible access to all of this information. You could really learn anything you want to about any situation, mm-hmm. whether it's what's going on right now with Palestine and Israel, whatever. You could literally get all the information mm-hmm. you want on that. But we don't do that. We only hit that surface level, if that yeah. will... Scroll we'll, on Instagram, Yeah, you know? we'll just catch a headline. Oh, mm-hmm. this is happening. And then we'll take that as gospel and run and tell 20 other people, right. oh, this is... I've done that. You just see that little blurb and you're like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. Yeah. And you tell oh somebody God. else. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, that's not true. Right. And it's like, oh, shit. I just told five other people and they're going to run with that. Right. Yeah. And, and then you, it's like telephone, too. Yeah. Which, like, you and know, you never someone tells back. you and then it changes and it just... Yeah. And all of a sudden, someone's like... The world's ending. Yeah. A cheese sandwich invaded Palestine, yeah, you know? Like, what? That's why they're fighting? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, God, cheese. But it's, I mean, it's it's sad. Yeah. It's really sad. It feels like with the power of all this information, we've almost declined. We've gone backwards. Instead mm-hmm. of using it and doing something meaningful with it and actually checking our sources because mm-hmm. we can now in a really significant way and looking at Okay, who wrote this article? Okay, who backed that company? Okay, why would they say this? Let me go check this other site that might say something different. Let me go look around and see, is everybody thinking this way? Are there multiple opinions on this point? Mm-hmm. But we don't do that. No. I mean, how many people, we we joked about it, but how many people actually only get their news from Facebook or from right. Instagram? Right, or just a single source. Yeah, you or know? just like just CNN. If you yeah. just watch CNN... It's not good for you. Just like if you just watch Fox News, it's not good. You're not getting the full picture. Right. If you just listen to Democracy Now!, not good. Also very depressing. I did a lot of that (laughs) during my drive time when I was at Kmart. Holy cow. How many times I cried in my car. Oh, no. But yeah, I mean, any one source because, you know, sources are as much as I want to think that there is some way to be actually completely objective. Um, Sorry to say to my like 18-year-old, you know, idealistic self, there isn't. We all have our own biases that we inject in things, but, you know, as reporters, it's our duties to, you know, do everything we can to be as objective and factually based as we can, you know. And right now we're in a climate where people 
just want to be spoon fed what they want to hear. They want to hear other people that agree with them and, you know, share their perspectives. And it's, you know, can be like a misery loves company kind of thing. And, you know, we all agree on the same thing. We're all fired up about the same thing. And, you know, that can lead to good things like, you know, protesting or, you know, coming together for an effort and trying to create change. Or it can be just like going down this dismal, again, QAnon rabbit hole, for example, where it just, you know, spins out of control. But I mean, it's, you know, I, it's so frustrating because as, as someone who strives to be as objective as I can as a reporter, you know, I believe in my readers. I believe in the consumers of the media I create. And I believe that, you know, if I present them with the facts, then they're like, hmm, I want to know more about that. So I'm going to go read about that. Or they doubt something I say. They look it up and see that it's true, you know, but just that by presenting them with the facts that they can develop their own opinions. And I believe that in my heart of hearts, but it doesn't seem to always go that way, you know. Yeah, especially now where yeah. everything is so politically charged. I mean, the idea that you're going to get unbiased information on something, especially if it involves Trump or mm. Biden or anything political right now. The COVID idea, at yeah, all. COVID, the vaccine. There's no way it's going to be unbiased. And it's so sad saying that. Right. But it's just everyone is just so in their camp right now that mm -hmm. they can't see the other side. They can't accept any information that doesn't align with what they fundamentally believe. Right. And we, that's what it is. We are all attached to this fundamental belief, whatever side you're on. That's that's your side. And if you step out of that side, it's going to get ugly. Right. You're so you a better, traitor. Yeah, you better or walk the line. Or you're or whatever. Yeah. You or know? you don't actually believe or you don't believe in science or you don't have all the information or whatever slanderous thing they're going to mm -hmm. throw at you just to discredit what you're saying. Right. Right. I mean, how do you combat that? Yeah. I uh, I saw something really fascinating. I just saw it from Vice. Uh, and Vice can be very sensational, of course. But um, regardless, I hope this is true because it's insane. No, I don't hope it's true. But um, there was an article about how um, all these anti-maskers are now starting to wear masks because they're afraid of vaccine shedding from the people who have the vaccine. So they're worried what is that vaccine I don't even know. I mean, this is obviously one of the myriad of terms that has been created from COVID. Yeah, they're just legitimate. Shit up now. But yeah, it's just like, what is vaccine shedding? So you like, I'm just ima imagining like little vaccine dandruffs that are just like just falling, falling off, off my body, body. Oh, and the anti-vaxxers are like, oh, get away from me. You know, I mean, what is that? Yeah. Like, what is in? I mean, you know. I, I don't want to go into the QAnon rabbit hole, but this is something I've been reading a lot about recently. QAnon? I've been in oh, the Oh, good, because hole. I don't know anything my, about QAnon. Oh, my God. I, I am not equipped to try to explain it, but there are documentaries that can. Okay. And I just listened to a podcast that was about the um, wellness to QAnon pipeline, which is fascinating. Um, I have no idea what that is. I mean, it's... I mean, Everybody I've talked to, they said it's it's too big. Like, I don't know how to no, put it, it into is. words. It's well, just that, too... That's why it's crazy. So QAnon is, oh my gosh, anyone listening, like, forgive me if I don't explain this properly. Go look it up but, for yourself. Yeah, go yeah. look it up. There's a great this documentary the on notes. Hulu about it. But basically QAnon, Q is supposed to be this, um, many people believe, uh, some kind of CIA government informant, insider person, or used to be. Some people believe it's Donald Trump himself. And this started, when did the Q drop start? I think in 2017. And this person named Q 
would um, post, I think it, did it start on 4chan or 8chan? I think it started on, yeah, one of those. Yeah. yeah. And it's Q because he had Q clearance, right? Yes, that was the Q. Exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Which he is starts like posting these. Higher than top secret. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. So yeah, I wasn't clear on that part. Yeah. But um, yeah. So just posting these things about, you know, the storm is coming is, you know, a big one, of course, but just these predictions of things that are going to happen and basically that donald trump is the savior and essentially a prophet that is going to save us from all of this destruction and he's going to take down the quote-unquote deep state and all these democrats that are um you know killing our babies and drinking their blood because they're in a satanic cult and gonna take them down and we're gonna live in this you know um beautiful valhalla of a society right and it's um that's crazy but this conspiracy people you know it radicalized people and it's still i mean i i do not understand how so because the people who are now QAnon supporters largely i would say they do not go to i mean 8chan is gone now now it's 8kun i believe um they don't go to 8kun because i've only been on 4chan like once and that is a horrifying place. It's a cesspool. It is a an absolute cesspool. Yeah. I mean, it's truly. like the darkest part of the internet that's not like the dark web. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, yeah, it, it is it is fucked. I mean, it's full of racist, anti-Semitic. I mean, God, that's putting it politely. Like yeah. there is, you know, <laughs> yeah. just so much is a true cesspool, just disgusting, you know? And so there's so many people, which I mean, I think that says so much about who was looking at QAnon when it first started, right? You know, it was people who are in that, on that website. And I mean, I'm not trying to throw all the people who are into 4chan, 8chan, 8kun, whatever, under a bus. Because, you know, my fiance, for example, he he would go on the music boards all the time. Um, he's not a psycho. But, uh, you know, you just have to think about who who is absorbing this information, yeah. right? But as time has gone on, it has become... I don't even know how it really started to leach out into the general public. I'm kind of forgetting that part of the documentary, but it does, and people really grab onto it. I mean, I didn't really hear about it, um, you know, in the mainstream, and that was the only access I had to it, you know, is when I started hearing about it in the mainstream until a year and a half ago, probably. So, you know, and it had been around for quite a bit of time before then. And oh, had it really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it just started up with... With COVID and everything. No, no. I mean, oh, wow. that's. I think that's when it started, like, you know, making its way to the forefront. Yeah, because mm -hmm. people are sitting at home and they read an article or whatever, you know. They're just they, online. Yeah. 24-7 I mean, that was really when it blew up is because people are at home and not doing anything. Think of recently retired people. Think about people working from home. You know, I mean, it just radicalized people. And it radicalized – it's not like it's just far – right or just you know conservative folks or big trump supporters that got into it this is you know conspiracy folks already you know your uh bigfoot people aliens 9-11 uh jet fuel can't melt steel beams you know those folks um and then like i said i listened to this great podcast maintenance phase and they were talking about the wellness to qanon pipeline and you know and this kind of taps into anti-vax and that can be a part of some of the wellness communities and so i mean god as i'm explaining this i'm like wait no i have to go back because it's confusing but you know 
QAnon somehow, this conspiracy was able to tap into all these things. So people who are anti-vax, some of them are QAnon supporters. And it's not it's not intrinsically tied to what QAnon drops are. It's just that this conspiracy that is QAnon has like just gobbled up all these other conspiracies. So it is so much more than just what it was initially. Now it comprises all these different things. And I mean, you know, has tapped into the, I don't know if you remember the Wayfair conspiracy last summer. That's the one where they were supposedly selling children in closets, right? And the yeah. SKU number was like that of, if you Googled it on some Russian mm-hmm. site or something, it went to a picture of a child. Yeah. or yeah. And it was called like Emily's Dresser or yeah. something, but it's like $22,000, you yeah. know? I can't speak to any of those price points. That's crazy. It was but, insane. Yeah. But that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's it, so crazy. And so... There's a very strong connection with, um, you know, QAnon and tapping into like stay at home moms, you know, just moms in the Midwest, whatever. And they're like human trafficking. Oh, my God. Save the kids. And it's like, you know, this other podcast I listen to um, you're wrong about. They talk a lot about moral panics and we're absolutely in a moral panic on multiple levels right now. You know, whether it's COVID um, or QAnon or human trafficking. I mean, human trafficking obviously is a terrible issue. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's supporting no, that. I don't think so either. Yeah. And if you do, well, you're a psycho. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how prevalent it is remains unclear in many ways. But I mean, these groups, um, you know, blow it up and make it seem as though, you know, you're not doing anything. Our government's not doing anything. And I do not know in what ways they are or they are not. But, you know, it is just preying on people's fears. And again, no one wants children or people to be trafficked. So the idea that there are people out there and, you know, QAnon is your savior and he's, you know, these people are going to stop it. And you know who's doing it? It's the deep state. And they're also, you know, these blood-sucking Democrats is just, it's crazy. And I mean, it's not unlike the moral panic, the satanic panic of the eight, uh, the 1980s. You know, it's not unlike any other moral panic that we've experienced as a society. And, you know, I just went on a wild tangent about that. But I mean, these are, these are things I think are really important is to, you know, I guess bringing it back to journalism is being critical of the information that you're looking at. Of course, looking it up. Um, fact checking things, but also, you know, being aware of history and how history tends to repeat itself. And, you know, we could probably avoid a lot of mistakes if we looked a little bit more into oh, absolutely. how we had dealt with similar things before. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is when you, when you look backwards, you realize we're kind of fucking up in a lot of the same ways mm-hmm. and we just keep doing it. And it's like, oh, well, maybe if we paid attention to the fact that this happened, we, it would stop happening. Right. Right? How? But the Q thing, that is, it's a weird, it's weird because it taps into something primal in people. This mm-hmm. primal desire to, first you're in a group and mm-hmm. so you have something. And second, you're fighting this cause where you're going against the bad people, the deep state. Mm-hmm. You're going against these people who are doing something that, like we said, that everyone can pretty much agree on is, is bad. And so you feel a power when you're when you're doing that. You feel like you have a purpose. And I think a lot of people don't have that, especially mm-hmm. now. I feel like a lot of people feel like they're just floating. And so believing in that, it's like that's their reason to 
to move forward in life mm-hmm. is because they're helping and they know something nobody else knows. They're like in this weird niche where it's like, oh, you don't know who Q is? Right. Let me tell you because right. it's crazy and right. you're going to want to join because why wouldn't you? Are you a piece of shit? You don't want right. to save these kids. You don't want to stop them right. from – It's they're drinking some spinal fluid or something from these kids, right? That's I know. The yeah, what's the um, – I it's, I feel like the term uh, – I mean, I only knew it as it being in um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is the uh, – oh, my gosh. I can't what think of the it? name yeah, of it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like from some gland, the pineal gland. Yes. Yeah, and it's whatever. only in children. Yeah, yeah. Have. Oh, my gosh. What's it called? Yeah, but that's – fucking crazy it's insane and the, the pizza record. gate that oh they're all just in the basement yeah. of these people yeah like, what well, it doesn't what? have a basement but then some people are like well no it's behind a door and of course you're gonna say that yeah but like my god and you know the i mean the tragedy of it is you know when you're going down this rabbit hole and then it's like you get to this breaking point and then some your family member is like that's not true and it's kind of freaking me out that you're going on this rabbit hole and they're like, you don't understand. And then it's like, that's the breaking point. And those people are beyond reach. I mean, I've read so many articles that are talking about how Q, the whole conspiracy has totally torn apart families. You know, I mean, I can't talk to my dad anymore. I mean, my husband's marriage is failing. My sister won't take my calls anymore. And I'm the only person that has tried to be there for her while she's fallen down this rabbit hole. You know, I mean. I try really hard to be understanding of all the weird things that people like to get into. But when it comes to the sanctity of truth and information, my patience is, I have a very low tolerance yeah. for it, you know, for bullshit. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, again, it's tragic because I hate to hear about people being torn torn up over things like this, especially something which to me just on its face just seems fucking crazy. Yeah. You it's know? not like it's partly believable like the jfk thing like you could make an argument that sure there's some there's some shady shit with that but q it's like how do you yeah the government's done some some fucked up things and they've lied and some conspiracies yeah you could you could make a case but but i mean isn't there isn't there a line like don't isn't there a some point that we hit and we're like okay this is this is just too much yeah like the scope of this is just it's not Right. I mean, yeah, there. take like Flat Earth, for example, which again, that's one of those things I don't get that, that is just like, it's like spinning in the face of science and yeah. all the work that we have done. Like we have come to this point for a reason. There's still so many things we do not know, but we know that we, one. We have known that yeah. one and yeah, we've we been in one. space. But of course, you probably don't think that's true either to these people. But, you know, uh, Oh gosh, what was it? I, it was flat earthers. It was just I keep losing my train of thought here because I'm thinking of way too many things at once. But oh my gosh, I can't that believe just... I was nervous about talking. I'm like, oh god, I'm never interviewed. But I also have a lot of opinions. Yeah, no, this tell. is great. It, you get into like a groove, right? And then you just start. Yeah, you just go, and it's like, oh, why do we? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I lost my train of thought about flat earthers. It's just those it's just conspiracies. Yeah, yeah, it's just like there's got to be a point where you say, okay. Right, I mean, you gotta, right. you gotta just almost roll your eyes a little bit because right. it's like, okay, yeah, you had me a little bit, but then, mm-hmm. I mean, all these connections, you're just, you're just grasping it at straws that just aren't there. I right. mean, there's nothing, there's nothing to grab. Yeah, I mean, some of these things, it's like, God, have you like, what was the last time you slept? Like, sounds like you and went it keep, on like it, it. That's like a real thing, though, is they get yeah. so wrapped up into it mm-hmm. that it's all consuming. Right. And how do you pull somebody back? 
I mean, how if they're deep into like QAnon or flat Earth, how do you how do you bring them back from that cusp? Yeah, like, you know not they really a, they like, they talked about it on the podcast I was just listening to just the other day, and you know, I mean, the only thing that they really suggested was kind of you know just show people that you know don't break off ties completely, right? You know, show say it's your sister, you know still be there for try to like still have conversations with her that are completely unrelated to any of this you know and try as best you can just to not talk about it and if it does come up just to like let it slide don't pass judgment because god willing you know she's gonna get over this and she's going to see that this is not true you know and you will still be the person that's there for her that she can come to and find solace and grounding so I guess, you know, just try to be a patient. And I mean, it's it's hard. It's really I, hard. I can't imagine. I yeah. mean, I have a ton of family that is, you know, one of my uncles kind of dabbles in the QAnon conspiracies, but he is, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I don't know. My dad talks to him much more than I do. So it doesn't seem like he's fallen down that rabbit hole. But, you know, I told my dad, like, if you were an agro-Trump supporter and in QAnon like your brother is – we would have a very hard time relating to each other and it would be hard for me to have a relationship with you. And, you know, of course he was really shocked when I said that. And I'm like, you know, I mean, think about the way we talk to each other. Now we talk about politics. We, you know, all the things that we're talking about now, my dad is, um, wonderful guy. I mean, he taught me like his parents taught him question everything, you know? And so I've always really felt that way. And, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I don't have a huge problem talking to people who have differing perspectives than me, but when those perspectives are perspectives that, um, you know, racist, anti-Semitic, um, sexist, uh, you know, transphobic, whatever it may be, when you hold those ideals and those ideals are things that um, hurt people I love, then it becomes a, a different issue, you know? You're you're defending keeping kids in cages at the border. You're defending these things. And I have a serious problem with that. And so, I mean, I can take it in stride with people I don't talk to all the time. But, I mean, so it's more complicated than just being there for that person. You know, I mean, it's 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 a big ask. But, you know, I think if we could, you know, I wish I had more patience in that way. We're working on it every day. But, you know, I think that's really one of the only things that you can kind of do is just – hold space for that person, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because especially if they're so far gone mm -hmm. where the idea of questioning it is just lost. Yeah. Like there's no more, there's no skepticism in it anymore. It's no, this is, this is real. Like yeah. this is, this is full blown. And I think, I mean, I would want to say that conversation and continuing to talk to them would be a good thing because it seems like that would really be the only way to to try to bring them back is to just continue to have conversations with them mm -hmm. and maybe pro be like well you know here's this other thing that kind of goes against this part of it like what do you think about that or okay here's some other the problem is, is you could go on youtube and find a video that confirms whatever anything yeah like you could be a flat earther and 12 minutes after watching a right. video i've seen that video and i've seen that happen to my friends when that conspiracy just sort of reared its ugly head yep. and i'm like you really think from this weather balloon video and that it's a fish eye so 
you say that's why the earth is curved, but there's no curvature of the earth, that that's why? That's crazy. And I reminded that friend of that, and he was very embarrassed when I let him know. I won't say his name, but yeah. he was very embarrassed. Yeah. I've watched a few. I've gone down a few rabbit holes, and luckily I, I never went deep enough where I couldn't check myself and be like, okay, like, mm-hmm. remember, we're on YouTube right now mm-hmm. watching <laughs> right. whatever we're watching. Like, let's reel it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's, if you don't have that inner voice or if you don't have someone that's you're kind of talking to in the process of it, you can you can slip. Yeah. And it's hard to get back up. Right. It's really hard to get back up. Well, and again, especially something like QAnon that is this monster of a conspiracy with all these tentacles that are reaching out into all these different things. I mean, a conspiracy theory that latches onto human trafficking, sex trafficking, like, you know, the the deep state Democrats, uh, I don't even know what, you know, CIA conspiracies. It is latched on all these things. And that's something that, I mean... In my opinion, I've never seen before. I mean, maybe there are other conspiracy theories that people could point to that have a similar effect, but I've never seen anything like that before, you know? So maybe we don't even know how to deal with that. And I mean, you know, think about where we are in the world of the internet. I mean, we've only had the internet in our homes for 30 years now. I mean, yeah, maybe, it's still in its yeah, it's still new. And I mean, social media, the creation of these things, I mean, that is still so new, you know, and our brains are just trying to keep up and figuring out how to digest this information, what to do with it. And I think younger and then older folks are especially susceptible to it. I mean, I'm not sure how old you are. I'm 27. I'm 23. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like, you know, you're still right there that, you know. I had dial-up internet in my house when I was a kid. I remember that, you know. I used to play CD-ROM games. I didn't have, you know, internet video games. Um, I didn't get a smartphone until I was in college, you know. So I think about how kids approach that now. It's like, God, eight-year-olds are on TikTok. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, TikTok itself is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... Everything, yeah, TikTok is a wild world. I refuse to download the app. Me I'll, too. I'll, Thank you. Oh, man. I can't some, do it. Yeah, I know. I I have these friends are like, I'm obsessed. You got to do it. I'm like, they watch it no, all the no. I have friends that send me the videos because I won't download it. I'm like, how often are you on this? Right. And they're like, oh, just all the time. All and I'm like, that's like, But there's a, a TikTok for that. It's, it's like, oh, my God. And I mean, yeah, I, mean, I have friends that are like, well, you love plants. Like, there, you can watch TikToks about gardening. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to. I don't have the time for I don't, this. Yeah, I don't yeah. have the time for it. I, I'm doing real research and things, you know, or, you know, look, Facebook stalking people I went to high school with. I don't know. <laughs> I'm old school. I still stalk people in that venue, you know? Mm. No, I don't. Not really. But every once in a while. Uh, but, but then, you know... Then you have older folks who this internet world is still new. And I mean, we see the shit they post on Facebook and it's like, oh, my God. oh Deborah, come oh on. My God. Cringe. It's like, you know, everybody can see this, right? Like, this right. is not a diary. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, I remember there's this Facebook page I started following uh, years ago and it was called OK Jim Ha Ha. And it's just like all these old people posts that just posting like very like sweet, naive, like silly things that just like only old people post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you have like these two groups, which, you know, in my view, are particularly susceptible for those reasons to being radicalized, right? 
or to being just vulnerable to misinformation because they don't aren't familiar, you know, either are too familiar or are already in their weird little niche at the age of 12 or they're, you know, old and they're used to consuming media in this other way. So then they think that, you know, this Facebook article is equivalent to, you know, a reputable news source and it's not. And they're like, whoa, that's crazy. Deep state, you know. This must be true. Has to be true. Someone... Someone's name is attached to it and they wrote it. Must be true. Yeah. They're a journalist. That's the problem, especially where if you came from print news where it's it's finite in the sense that you can't change it. Like nobody can alter that mm-hmm. unless they print a retraction or print mm-hmm. another copy. But that copy is that. Mm-hmm. And it meant something. Like I couldn't just print a newspaper in my house and go do whatever back in the day. Like, But now with social media, you can anybody can write anything. Right. right. And if you take that as gospel, it's going to get ugly pretty quick yeah absolutely i mean you know i could go into any one of the stories that have ever been posted to the time standard and i could edit it and say some crazy shit if i wanted to am i gonna do that no because i have self-restraint even though i like that would be crazy but i do not i mean information is truly like in my heart i mean the truth and sanctity of information People who know me are like, oh, God, is he shut up? But, I mean, really, this it means so much to me, so I would never. But, I mean, sometimes it's like when you're driving and you are like, what if I just There's drove into that yeah, lane? Or, yeah. you know, it's like that thing, like, what if I just put a swear word in there, you know, just or just something, just for fun. There's a term you know? for that, like standing on the abyss and thinking about jumping. Yeah. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of the name of it right now. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking it. about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and what a weird phenomena that is that your brain's just like jump. Yeah, do it. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah, you should do it. I don't know why. Yeah, you just, should do it. Yeah. It looks really far. Be a good jump. You'd yeah. have some time to contemplate life on the way down. Yeah, fucking A. I don't know. I'm really worried about the generation below us. I'm really worried about them just because even with the limited amount of access to the internet and social media that I had growing up. Like, I can't imagine being in middle school now and dealing with TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all these things and trying to, like... Filters. Yeah, and find your place. The advent of filters, man. I uh, mean, speaking as a female, that, like, you know, what that would have done to my fucking self-esteem as a young person. I mean, as if, you know, middle school isn't already just putting everyone through the ringer, you know? I mean... It's it's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, middle school is easily the worst time I've ever had in oh, my life. Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, you have no idea who you are, what life is, what your body's going through. Right. You're just, like, hit with all this at one time. And you've got all these other kids that are going through it and, and being douchebags and trying to find themselves, right. too. And it just, it's not a good mix. It's no. really not. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not friends with you anymore, Chelsea White, because I wear Converse All-Stars <laughs> and you said they're clown shoes. Oh, and actually, I feel like this is actually happening. That actually happened. And yes, I said your name, Chelsea White. Oh, She's snap. not going to listen. Yeah, this, no, but, yeah. I mean, you're yeah, fine. I mean, you're going safe. from somebody who's like... Best but that's friend in elementary that's, yeah. school, and then it's like we walk into middle school, and everything is different. Yeah, and Pressure's she on. has a Roxy jumpsuit on or something, and I can't afford that. So, and I also didn't like pink then, but you know, I mean, yeah, kids are doing crazy shit, and with the advent of filters, it's like. I mean, for one, there's, of course, the element of, like, who has access to what. So, like, 
my parents can't afford to get me a smartphone, so I can't even enter into that world or conversation or something like that. But I mean, saying that we're all on the same playing field, like, God, what that does to your self-esteem, you know, because you can put on a filter. I mean, what does to my self-esteem, adult self-esteem, you know? You can just, you know, you like have your phone open. You're like, oh, there's me. And then you put the filter and you're like, wow, all of a sudden my face is more sculpted and my skin tone is perfect and my eyebrows are a little bit better, you know? Yeah. It's, and I mean, what that does to children, you know? And also, you know, as getting back to the media element, like, I don't know how kids are being coached, how to look at media. I don't think they are. Because one of the things that I ran into, you know, in journalism school, I had a a bunch of really amazing teachers in the journalism department at HSU. Big shout out to all of them. They were amazing. But, you know, they didn't adequately prepare me for what it was like to be a journalist in 2015 when I graduated. You know, I mean, the term backpack journalist was thrown around a lot. Like basically that you have to be – as a journalist, you have to be able to record, do video, edit all those things, of course, write, you know, do all these things. But, you know, it wasn't like we didn't actually have like know how to be media savvy, you know. And so that's in journalism school. So just generally, you know, are there classes that kids are going through that kind of teach you how to, you know, look at this, you know, what's the difference between these two articles we see on Facebook? Which one is real? Which one is not? Are they teaching that? I don't know. You know? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, I know that they're teaching kids not to cite from Wikipedia, but past that, Bullshit. I think yeah, past that, I think it's, I think it's just an open field and nobody talks about it and it doesn't seem like they're interested or or they understand the gravity of like what it's setting them up for. I don't know. I don't know why it's not addressed, but I I don't think it is. Yeah. I mean, I have always said this that um kind of when I I feel like I come to a point in my journalism career uh that I want to move into teaching and I want to be a journalism teacher for middle school or high school students, which sometimes that's just one of those thoughts that is as much as it's a dream for me, I'm like, oh, God, being around middle schoolers and high schoolers. It'd be rough. But also, oh my gosh, again, middle school was awful. And I I remember so clearly, you know, the teachers who had an impact on me and made me feel okay and seen and, you know, like I was a normal person and, you know, noticed like, hey, you're good at this. Keep doing that, you know, and getting that affirmation from someone that wasn't my parents, which was great that my parents are always extremely supportive of me. But that's huge. And, you know, to have, you know, for me, especially female role models, you know, that were smart, vibrant, you know, amazing women that made me want to be like that, you know. And so if I could be that for, I mean, or even just a piece of that for any student ever, I mean, that, that's life changing, yeah. you know? So I would love to do that. And then, you know, I, honestly, in talking about it, I just want to teach kids how to, you know, write a news story or like create a reporter package. Because if you do that, you teach kids these amazing skills, you know, how to interview people, how to write up questions, how to talk to people when that's you might the big be thing. pretty how nervous. How to just talk to people. Yeah. And how to have an effective, like, be an effective communicator Mm -hmm. and more so listen. I don't think people 
like I don't know if we used to have it down and we don't now, but listening seems like an, a really lost art mm-hmm. nowadays. Like these kids, I mean, especially if all you're doing is texting or Snapchatting, right. like to sit in a room kind of like what we're doing or mm-hmm. even just out and about and actually talk to someone. Right, because you're just like, them. you know, on your phone while they're talking and like, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it's so surface. And you, you miss know? all the cues. You miss out on all mm-hmm. the the body language and all the, the subtle movements that just aren't, you, you just can't express that over text. Right. Like, oh, sh- they text me this. Are they mad at me? Or, did I do something right. wrong? You didn't say LOL after that. Yeah. What, uh, you put a period at the end of your sentence. Right. Was, are you, did I do something wrong? Right. Like, what, I mean, are we, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. And I mean, so it would teach those extremely important skills. Thank yeah. you for humoring me and seeing that. No, I think that would huge, be huge. You know? Yeah, I'm not just humoring you. I think that would be invaluable. Yeah. And I mean, also teaching critical thinking because, you know, you are like, here's your subject. It's up to you to look for information, do your research. And, you know, as you're going through the course or, you know, moving through your story, you're realizing what is valuable and what is not, what is factual and what is not. And, you know, I just think that just the idea of creating a single reporter package and what it takes to go into just to create it, you would learn so many amazing skills, you know. And I mean, even if you created that reported package over the course of a few weeks, you know, I mean, that's what we did in college. That would be totally feasible for middle schoolers. I know it would, you know, just the confidence it would give them to hear themselves on the radio and be proud of something that they created. And, you know, like, I sound like that person on NPR. I mean, wow, you know. And then weaving that in with just, more media awareness, you know, like we were just talking about being more savvy about, you know, how you look at, you know, the critical thinking element, how you look at the information around you and what is true and what is not. I mean, I I could talk all day about being a journalist and why it's so important, but I mean, more than it has given me, or I mean, maybe enhanced, but I mean, it's given me these skills to look at the world around me and to be able to better appreciate things just to look more critically at things and you know not take things on surface value and want to dig deeper into some things you know i mean i wish that for everybody it's it's a wonderful thing that's what people are missing today yeah is that desire to just dig a little deeper learn learn something that challenges your ideas and your preconceived notions and just just push you to grow as a person i think it's the biggest thing that they're missing out on because when you talk to someone who disagrees with you or you you dig past your biases there's this whole other world out there Mm -hmm. of things even if you don't agree with them or they reinforce your ideas at least you're challenging them and you're refining them and you're coming up with ways oh there's a hole in this idea maybe i need to prod at that just a little bit more maybe it's faulty or maybe you come up with a way to back it up a little bit more and it's stronger because of that Mm -hmm. like that makes you a better person right I think you're gonna have to do it. I think is this, have to this do is the it. plan for post time standard. Uh, maybe, maybe. not post time standard, but somewhere down the line. Yeah, that's the plan for like. It's kind of like I'll hit thirty, see what I'm doing, mm-hmm. see who I'm up to, you know. Um, but I mean, I'm still very much, you know, best friends with two of my teachers from high school. You know, my art teacher Deborah Harriman. And my uh, English teacher, Brittany Belden, or Brittany Mason now, she's married, but I still call her Belden. But, you know, and I mean, I was talking to Belden on the phone recently, and she was like, you got to be a teacher. You got to do it. I was thinking about it the other day. You just have to do it. 
you know, you'd be great at it. And I'm like, oh my God. But sometimes I think like, would I, like, would I actually be a good teacher? I mean, I know I have passion in these things I really care about, but could I teach middle schoolers? Could I have that patience? I don't know. I haven't been around teenagers in quite a while for any length amount length of time, let alone trying to teach them something or trying to get them to listen to me. So I don't know. But I mean, I think teachers are the most important people in the world, you know, and journalists. Yeah. Personally. And doctors and, you know, yeah, all that other stuff. Folks, they're a little too. lower on but the totem pole, but they're still up as there. far as in, you know, feeding the human mind, teachers and journalists are so important, you know, to the um, and, you know, instrumental, too, in the freedom of our society, you know, and questioning things and calling out the government. I mean, I I get all toasty whenever I hear people call journalists, you know, the fourth check on the government because I firmly believe that journalists are, you know, one of the um, – my publisher, John, uh, told me uh, – I think it was our very first conversation we had – and he was, I don't remember where this was, but he told me this story. I think I read a report, um, heard a podcast or a radio lab episode about it a long time ago. But there was a small community that um, lost their local newspaper. And like six months, maybe a year after the paper went away, the uh, salaries of the board of supervisors or like the mayor, the chief of police doubled. Oh, God. You know, yeah, this crazy – because the journalists aren't there to be there at the meetings and looking through the documents and like, wait, you can't just get a raise. That's crazy, yeah. you know? And so that's huge. I mean, it's not only informing the public, but, yeah, watching out for those bad actors and for people that are – taking advantage of the public, you know, because they're not always trustworthy. I'm pretty happy with a lot of folks in Humboldt, but also, you know, people need to be called out, and it's yeah. my honor to do it. I yeah, love that's it. that's cool. It's crazy that they get a vote to increase their own salary. Like, that does not seem like that should be a thing. I know. Like, come, what? Right. You know what? I think I did a little extra work last year. We're going we're gonna to bump the pay scale. Yeah. Knock yeah, it up. You just, know what? just another uh, 20 grand, I think. Inflation. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. 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 You know, I had uh, a few bad investments too. I don't know I could... about minimum wage or when that was yeah. last raised, but whatever. I mean, it's crazy. If they I mean, didn't want to work crazy. a minimum wage job, they could just get a job somewhere else, huh? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which, <sighs> bad. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. You know what worries me is I've been feeling the inklings online of, of people saying that free speech is becoming a problem. And that we need to start censoring speech. And that worries me. Because mm -hmm. I recognize where that's going to go. Right. And it's not going to be... It's not going to be a pretty place. No. I mean... I'm not going to lie. I mean, there there are times when I hear people popping off about crazy shit that I'm like, I wish they could not talk. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have a platform. It's terrible. But if you start restricting one person's speech, that is a very slippery slope. And as much as I might not want to hear what this person has to say, and I might be horrified at the way they're influencing people, you know, um, you can take, for example, our last president, um, you know, free speech is huge and I honor it. And I think it is one of the most important things in our society because, you know, without it, I don't know, what are we, you know, because it's, it's such a slippery slope. So it's like we censor Donald Trump. Then who else do we censor? Do we censor all the other loud people that we don't like? Who's censoring them? Is it the that's left? The thing. Who so gets are we to just pick? gonna censor all of the right? Yeah. Well, that's not right. I don't agree with what you know. A lot of those folks have to say about politics. 
But I certainly agree with some of them on some things. And certainly they should not have that taken away from them, you know? And I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that's really scary. And I wish, you know, people need to think about the bigger picture. And yeah, I don't even know. I mean, it's, of course, it's just so dependent on the individual situation as to, you know, well, here would be a better way to deal with this or something, you know? But uh, yeah, that is terrifying. It's almost as slippery of a slope as, uh, robots and things, which I get really weirded out about technology. I'm like, oh, no, really? it's slippery slope. That's eugenics. I don't know. Eugenics. That's, that's definitely a crazy thing. Well, it's the problem with, <laughs> the problem with censoring speech is, I mean, you put it, you hit the nail on the head. It's first off, who gets to decide? Mm-hmm. Because if it's, if it's one side, that's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. If you give the power to the government, we know that's not going to yeah, end well. that's bad. What, we just let the left censor... I mean, are we just going to censor based on feelings? Oh, this person said yeah, something I disagree with. and whose feelings? What offends you might not yeah. offend me, right. or vice versa, or it might right. not offend all these people. If it offends one person, is right. that enough to censor it? Right. What if it's got some validity to it, and it right. strikes some argument that maybe we need to look at? Right. Do we censor that too? Like, where right. do we... Where do we draw the line? I mean, right. it's crazy that people died for this, right? And now we're just going to ship it away because, yeah, it doesn't make me feel good. Right. Like, yeah, which that it. is, I mean, that is, I hate that, you know, like, I don't want to hear it, you know? I mean, we all have to hear things that we don't necessarily want to hear Welcome or to difficult to yeah. hear. This is life. You know, we are, thankfully, we are afforded those rights, you know, to be able to say what we want. And surely... There are some people, you know, that have a harder time having the freedom to say those things. That is a problem. That is something that definitely exists, you know. Um, But we have to be careful about that, you know. And, I mean, take – I don't know the history. I mean, now I'm thinking about it. I would like to know more about this. But I'm curious as to where – when the term hate speech was – designated or founded so you know because obviously that would have been i would imagine it's you know um people saying things that are act you know to harm a group of people that is i don't know if that is the definition of hate speech but that is kind of how i would just you know say it off off the dome but i mean there must have been some I mean, obviously, there was legislation or something, a Supreme Court decision that, you know, deemed this is what hate speech is. So that is important, you know. And so I guess those are avenues to sort of deal with those things that we don't like. Although some, you know, could also argue that that is a form of censorship, Mm -hmm. you know. But I think it's a very different thing when you're, in effect, threatening someone's life. You know, that's different. But... But, yeah, I mean, I mean that's a that's crazy. Yeah. Even with hate speech, part of me is like, yeah, but where do we draw the line with that? Sure. I mean, yeah, there are some things we all recognize shouldn't be said, but I've talked to people who who that list is is way longer than where yeah. I would draw sure. it. And it's like, okay, well, if they were censoring things, it it might get <clears throat> a little ugly. I mean, right. words words have power. And that's one of the beautiful things behind them mm. is that they allow us to express ideas in in really different ways and get get points across that that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. And when you start pulling words out of your vocabulary for whatever reason, mm-hmm. if it's hate speech or if it just doesn't make you feel good or you don't like how it sounds, whatever, 
you're you're limiting your ability to express your thoughts and your emotions. Mm-hmm. And it might seem like a good idea in the moment, but there's no there's no set line. And even right. if we set a line, somebody's going to come along and want to move it. Right. And that's I just don't think people realize that. Like they hear, "Oh, hate speech." And they're like, "Yeah, that's bad." Mm-hmm. Like that's good that we we shouldn't promote that. We should get rid of that. But it's like, "Okay, well what is hate speech?" Right. Just words that make you feel bad? Because there's right. a lot of words that could be said that would make somebody feel bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd classify them all in that category, you know? I, I just, it worries me because I don't think, and it seems like it's a lot of the younger generation, even people my age that are kind of going against free speech. Mm-hmm. And I try to tap the brakes. I'm like, guys, we don't, you don't know where that leads. I right. mean, look at China. Do we want to be... No. Do we want to be in that position? I've heard, I've talked to friends actually who say we should model ourselves more after China because they've really got it down over there. And I'm like, do you know anything about what's going on in China? Because they definitely do not. They have it locked down. Yeah. But not in any good way. Right. Yeah. All the, all the videos and things that all the websites you go to on your phone. Tiananmen Square. You're never going to see that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You cannot access that. And I mean... We don't even know the level of censorship that does happen in the United States because it does. Gosh, what was I listening to? It was um, uh, it was a they mentioned a CD. I can't remember who it was. It was like a Tool CD or something. Oh my gosh, it wasn't like Sismova Down that's like super political, but it was more um, it was a lot more mild than that. But um. It was, gosh, she was on this podcast I keep referring to, but... um, Pretty good podcast. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm, like, so addicted to both both of them that I mentioned. Uh, They have one of... This dude, Michael Hobbs, is on both of them, and mm-hmm. he's he's amazing. He's a writer for the HuffPost. Oh, okay. And he's just... He's a delight. I mean, he's... People who are all about critical thinking and looking critically at information is just, mm, I love those people. But he had said that he was in um, Australia when whatever the CD came out. So he has the Australian copy and it has the song on it that wasn't allowed on the U.S. version of it because the U.S. government deemed it inappropriate or whatever. So that happens here. It totally does. But I mean, certainly not to take away from your fear of you know no, what yeah. could happen because- you know, I mean, so there is um, a really wonderful resource that you should look at, that everyone should look at, and it's called the World Press Freedom Index. And it is a map that's put together by uh, Reporters Without Borders every year, and it just ranks every country in the world based on their press freedom. And you look at that map, and it tells you an awful lot about the general freedoms of those citizens you know so of course one of the worst is always like north korea china um you know fuck like saudi arabia um the the countries that you would probably assume that there's you know war torn that they're dictators whatever Mm -hmm. russia um you know those countries are not doing good and you know the united states usually ranks around um you know so one being the best um, United States, if I remember correctly, usually ranks around like the 40 to 50 mark. Wow. Yeah. I would have guessed top 10. No. Wow. No, not at all. You know, so who is in the top 10 is, um, and of course population has to do something. Mm-hmm. Conflict within the country has to do some, has a piece to do with it. So like Iceland is number one occasionally. 
probably not a whole lot of conflict in Iceland. You yeah, know? they're not they're so, not worried about nuking anybody over right, in Iceland. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's certainly that's worth mentioning with it. But um and then, you know, each country you can click and it kind of gives you a little synopsis as to why this country is rated this way. And you know, maybe it's like like this for twenty twenty, I would guess that there would be the the US has probably dropped because of, you know, protesting, how cops crack down on it, you know, um, all the crazy shit that was going on in Portland with, you know, uh, unmarked vehicles. Yeah. yeah, unmarked vehicles just scooping up protesters. That's crazy. I mean, so I would be curious as to where the U.S. lands now. But, I mean, what a wonderful resource because, I mean, getting back to the journalist element of this conversation, I mean, a society is only as free as, as its press is, you know, truly. And, uh, yeah, look at that map and think about where we stand there. You know, I mean, we're certainly way better than a lot of other countries in a much better position, rather. But, you know, also being ranked, you know, 47. It's not good. It's not good. And why? Why are we there? You know, critically look at that and think about that. And, you know, where do we learn from that? And it's fascinating because you can, of course, look at, um, I don't know how long they've been putting this map together, but, you know, different years. And, of course, every year it's like, oh, that happened or they were in power or whatever. You know, I mean, there's just it's so telling of what's going on in society, you know. That is so crazy. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to come through that now. That yeah. I I mean, I would have bet money on on top 10, at least top 15. Yeah. Maybe worst. Yeah. But let's let me let me look. It I, up. Can, I can. I yeah. actually I was going to yeah, pull look it up. up. I can pull it up. Yeah. On pull our... it up. And uh, OK, so I'm going to guess. I don't remember the last time I looked. So I'm going to guess the U.S. is at. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say I'm going to go with 47. I mentioned 47 earlier. 47. OK, what are you going to say? Well, now you got me worried. I'm definitely not going to say top 15. I'll go. I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to go 56. Okay. Okay. You're the pessimist here. Well, you got, you have me freaked out now. (laughs) I, I was, I was excited. I was, I thought we were better. No. I mean. I wish. I mean, I would love that. I mean, if we're only like, if we're 15, I would be thrilled. That'd be great. But. You're not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. No, especially 2020. True. Did you hear? Oh man, they passed some bill in the Senate, I believe, where they removed some gendered language from being able to be spoken. I think it's on the House floor or in oh, really? certain bills. Yeah, you can't say like mother and father. This might be. Don't quote me on this because sure. this might be. I did not do any research right. into that. Um, but they removed it. I was trying to connect my laptop so that we could pull it up on the screen, but it's not working. So I'm gonna. Damn. I know. Freaking technology. It screws up yeah. when you need it the most. What Interesting. is the cycle? Uh, reporters without, or um, no, I'm sorry, the uh, Global Map Freedom Index. Or, global Map or, Freedom Yeah, Index. I'm sure that will take you, to, they, uh, take you to what you're looking for. But yeah, this, the Senate thing, I mean, I saw that. And if it's true, that mm-hmm. should be incredibly alarming to everybody. Right. Like, that's not, that's not good at all. We're, yeah. You can't say much. That's one of my problems. Wait, okay, I'll pull this up before. <laughs> one I, step at a time. Yeah, right? I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Global Peace Index is okay. what this has. Okay, Global Peace Index. Da, 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 da. Iceland's number one. Okay, yeah. Good call. Um, we're scrolling down. It's scrolling, 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 scrolling. Mongolia's 39. 
Okay. The UAE is 41. Wow. UK is 42. Uh-oh. We're I'm now scrolling. in 70s. Oh, shit. Already? 80s. There's no way. No. Did I pass it? I think I passed it one time because I'm like, oh my god, I'm in like 150. Yeah, now, yeah, now I was gonna say, now I'm like 115. There's no way. Okay, we're gonna. I mean, I hope there's no way. But... Canada six, which is, which is impressive. Go Canada. Oh my god, now I'm worried. We're back in the 30s. <laughs> um, we're at 60s. Oh no. God, are we really this far down or am I just just losing my mind over here? Back to 115. Oh my god, we're 121. Shut up. Oh my god. Oh my god. I didn't pass it. Wow. Oh my god. So, so what, we were what are we enough. What are we between? Azerbaijan? Uh-huh. Is 120. And Burkina Faso is 122. Oh, shit. South Africa is 123, and the Republic of the Congo is 124. Yikes. Wow. That's... Yeah, that's... That's... Well, Myanmar we... is 127. That should Holy speak shit. volumes. Holy shit. That does speak volumes. My God. Yeah, I mean, but think about well, what the US... Well, thanks for bringing my data. Yeah, well, well that's okay. what I do. Uh, with facts, no less. Um. But yeah, I mean, think about what we went through in the last year, you know? And I, know, I mean, I'd be, be curious to read that synopsis, but no, I mean... Oh, I can Yeah, I can yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I, I remember when I first came across it. This was probably in 2015 or 14, and I believe we were 47. I think that's why it sticks mm-hmm. out my mind so much. And it, I think I looked at last year, and it was like... We're in the 70s, maybe. I could be totally wrong, but I thought that's but where it we is, landed. I mean, but that is a sharp is, fall. Yeah. But it would make sense. I mean, with COVID, with everybody pushing against it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Protesting. It makes sense. Conspiracies such as QAnon. I mean. How do you get to the synopsis? Do you just click on? I think so. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't think I've ever accessed it on a cell phone either. So okay. it could be a little might different. Be, it might be a little bonkers on, the, on a cell phone. Yeah, I can't. Just, All right. Know. Well, uh, to the listeners, check it out and read yeah, about definitely. it yourselves. Yeah, definitely. It's visionofhumanity.org is where we're at right now. But it's the, okay. it's the global... This is the global peace index. Let me see what the map looks like. I'll let you check it out. Oh. Here. It's me... just a ranking. I'm I might sure be it's... looking at something you could be, completely but I mean, that wrong. Could be... let, me, let me look because I'm pretty sure it's the World Press Freedom Index. Oh shit! It's already eight o'clock. Oh wow. Oh, we can. Oh my bad. We can. Oh no, you're good. I, not... I should probably wrap up kind of soon, but let's. Yeah. We'll do, we'll end it on this because now I'm really. I think I was looking at the peace index. So I mean, please also disregard could... that okay. for our freedom of speech. Okay. All right. But peace index oh, that yeah. makes more sense because we're not we're not really peaceful okay. out here. All right. Yeah. So we're at the Reporters Without Borders site, the okay. Press Freedom Index. So number one is Norway. Oh, okay. Followed by Finland, Sweden, Denmark. So you know, okay. and then Costa Rica is number five. And uh, let's see. Do 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 do. Scrolling. UK is thirty-three. Okay. Um, South Korea is forty-two. Taiwan is forty-three. United States is 44. 44. So, okay. Okay. A lot way better more than 121. Okay. okay. So, that, that's different. Ooh, okay. So, yeah. I feel a little bit but better. Let's see. Can Not I great. click? Let's see. 
So the United States is 44. Abuse score is uh, 39.7. I don't know what that means. Um, oh, see, can I click on you? Will you show me why? Yeah. Abuse can be anything. That could be abuse of power, abuse of influence. Yeah. So, do, do, do. so wait, is this for 2020? I think it's for 2020. This is a really long read. Um, we are talking about um, Biden's vow to uphold the environment of truth. Um, COVID, Donald Trump, 400 journalists assaulted and more than 130 detained. Oh, Unprecedented crazy. numbers, according to the U.S. Freedom Tracker. Um, many of 2020's attacks and arrests of members of the media took place as they tried to cover nationwide protests against systemic racism and police rep- brutality towards people of color. That might be the abuse yeah, score. There you go. Yeah. And Trump himself vilified bona fide news outlets as fake news and qualified award-winning journalists as the, quote, enemy of the people, feeding the type of threatening behavior, including violence and the destruction of equipment that journalists faced during the uprising against the U.S. Capitol building on the 6th of January. Um, so, I mean, that's just a screenshot. Wow. But, or a snapshot, wow. rather. That was very 2020 of me, or 2021. <laughs> Wow, for uh, I'll admit that forty four is a lot better than yeah. Okay, I'm glad that we were looking yeah, at the okay. wrong map. I yeah, mean, me surely too, the peace freedom that there's something to be said for that as well. But yes, but at least we're not that on the yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is a great note to wrap up on. Yeah. Holy shit. It's a little more uplifting, but we definitely. I would have thought we'd be higher. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. That's kind of sad that we're not. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, how do we fix that? I don't know. You I think know? we start with you educating those kids. I guess I got to be a teacher. You're a guy. Something. I guess. Your you know? teacher was right. She called it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I guess if uh, closing thoughts, um, I just think it is so profoundly important for people to really think critically about the media that we consume. It's like the food you consume. Yes. You know? You, exactly. If you, That's a great if way you, to put it. Yeah, if you, like, consume shit food, you're going to feel like shit. You're going to look like shit. You know, your skin's going to look terrible the whole bit, you know? But if you eat good food, you feel good, your brain's functioning real good, you got a glowing complexion, you know? So if you're consuming trash media, you know, I mean, that's just bad for your soul. It's bad for your brain. It, it's it's going to weigh on relationships. you. Yeah, yeah. It just like turns your brain into mush, you know? But if you feed your brain with good information and you're actively like looking for better information and... You know, like what we just encountered. I, you know, I was like, that number sounds kind of crazy. Wait, which one are you looking at? You know, and we. That's how it should be. You know, we correct ourselves and you're not like, oh God, I'm embarrassed that she corrected me. You're like, no, 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 this is the right one. You're like, oh no, good. Like, let's learn. You know, I mean, there's so much more power in that. And I mean, I don't know why people do the things they do if it's like, if sometimes people are worried about looking stupid if they admit fault or whatever, but you know um knowledge is power or something you yeah. know but something it's, inspirational it's like so that. important you know it's and huge. admitting fault it's not a weakness is actually a sign of strength Absolutely. when you do that that's something we should take away from this yeah i think so do you have do you want to plug any of your social medias sometimes people do that uh, you know you don't I, have to no yeah. i don't i yeah. need to get on twitter my editors are like so did you, you don't need a to. twitter handle you don't and need like, to uh-uh. it's a cluster just no. like no yeah. yeah i mean i i deal with enough on daily 
a daily basis. I also try to keep like my news. I mean, I read about national stuff, but I'm really, I'm very local news centric mm-hmm. for myself. But um, yeah, I guess you can find my reports in the time standard. I usually have about two stories in a day and um, yeah, timestandard.com. Or I guess folks with uh, inquiries or want to know more about me being a reporter, you can email me at ivanderheiden, I'll let you spell that yourself, at times-standard.com. So, All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed sitting down with you and I actually feel, you know, a little more, I feel like I have a little more positive outlook on the people that are reporting and bringing out the news. I think you instilled a little more hope in me that the boots on the ground are good. Good. I'm yeah. I'm very happy to hear that. I yeah. mean, you know, not everyone has the perspectives that I do, certainly. I'm amazed that I'm like the bright and bushy-tailed journalist in our newsroom. My editors are a little more cynical and jaded than I am. But, you know, I'm just, as you can tell from this, you know, yeah. me going on an hour and a half long tirade about how much I care about truth and information, I, I really do. And I think a lot of journalists really do, too. So mm-hmm. I think that people need to remember that. And remember that it's hard for us, too. And, you know, we need your help as, you know, community members to help show us what's happening. You know, show us where to point the flashlight so we can illuminate the dark corners of society. You know. Wow. There you go. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure.